Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Age Dorian Productions, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, hi, Paige. Hey. Do you feel like it's been like 300 years since we saw each other last weekend? I mean, pretty, pretty much. It was actually so strange because you've been gone so long doing what you're doing, filming. And so I hadn't seen you other than a couple of these recordings we did and then saw you in person for a few days. I was like, who is this person? No, that's bullshit. You were like, he never left. He's lying. He didn't go away to do a movie. I just saw him yesterday. Yeah, he didn't want to. He didn't want to be doing too much of this. Yeah, no, or it was. Like, it was suddenly he's got a creeping Spanish accent. What's going <laughs> on? Everything's now in Spanglish. He just keeps answering everything with C. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. We we had the Fourth of July. Bunch of families and kids and husbands and everyone descended upon a, a friend of ours, and we had a very very classic American 4th of July. Yeah, we sure did. It was really good. Was I was really on a great. boat. Um, I want to say my best friend in Mexico is kind of the head of this hotel I'm staying at. And his name is Rafa. And we have very deep conversations. But when we have these deep conversations, we kind of look at each other and go like, we have something to talk about. And we both pull out our phones and go on to Google Translate. <laughs> and our deep conversations are really about how many grams of food I'm going to eat. And they've changed the, the, the menu. So when you get a printed receipt, there are items on there that are now called Ethan. So there's, oh. <laughs> there's a, a salmon Ethan, a pollo Ethan, and a aracha Ethan, which is beef. And um, this is in their computer, and it's all very specific grams of uh, protein, grams of fat, grams of carbohydrates. And other people, young men in the cast, have started ordering these these dishes. But anyway, back to me and Rafa. This is this is what we're going into. And now he's like, no, no, Toto, I understand. The most we ever say to each other is "Hola, Rafa." Hola, Itan. <laughs> Everything else is done with our fingers on our phone, and then holding the phone for the other guy to see. Oh, um, I love that. So, yeah, I am at no risk of just like really developing a Spanglish accent. Yeah, there's no way you're doing that. But that oh, that's really that, that's amazing of them to do that. Actually, right for you to accommodate that. Oh yeah, they're they're bending over backwards for me. I I really thought I would um, learn more Spanish down here, but Google Translate has destroyed that necessity. Yeah, you don't have to. No, 
You just yeah. type it into a phone. By the way, you can even dictate it into a phone and then have it speak it back. So you don't even have to like show them your phone screen. You press play and, and Google Translate says it for you. Oh, that's amazing. I had no idea. Yeah. I need I could- 200 grams of white rice cooked with uh, no mantajillo or uh, <laughs> aceta, I think, is fat. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't even pay attention anymore. I just feel safe that Siri is going to figure it out. Yeah, Siri's got your back. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> what a... I feel like this is not what we're talking about today. How to order food this, at a hotel in a foreign land. Right. This was not the intended topic, but, you know, I think people call this color. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we got the color out of the way. Um, what I wanted to ask you about today is the topic, and we've touched on it. You've shared, people ask about this a lot, but just the topic of emotional eating. You know, because you even say it in the introduction of American Glutton, right? You say food as entertainment or food as sport, you know, but taking that a step further and just emotional eating, I wanted to ask you just basically, first of all, what is, what is that? How can people be aware that they're doing that? What are some practical ways that you can, you know, stop yourself from doing that. Just this kind of world of like when we're eating beyond just fueling our bodies. Yeah. So for me, it's, um, and I don't know if we, some psychiatrist listens to this and goes like, no, you're just manic depressive or, you know, you're a borderline or something like that. I don't have that nomenclature to fit whatever this is, but I found that I'm aware when I'm in a kind of uh, rational place mentally and, and I'm neither manic nor I'm, I'm neither elated nor sad. It's, it's been my, um, it's, it's, it's been kind of some, a rut I've been stuck in, in the past where if I am very, very down, uh, food or drugs and alcohol have been something that I would look to, to feel better. And, uh, on the flip side, if something really good happens, there have been plenty of times where I become elated to the point where I go like, well, all, all of the all of the things that I was trying to limit don't matter anymore. And, and I'm not thinking through it in this way. This is just the emotion that comes over me and I need to celebrate this good thing with drugs, alcohol, or food. And so drugs and alcohol were a very long time ago. Food remained after that. And, um, so that that's kind of how I would frame emotional eating. Um, I'm sad. I need a, an old friend to cheer me up. Well, that old friend might be a double cheeseburger and a fried chicken sandwich and, you know, chicken strips with ranch and a couple orders of French fries and a Big Mac with sweet and sour sauce, you know, because that's pretty damn good. 
Um, Sorry, pause. You're putting sweet and sour on the Big Mac? Fuck yeah, dude. With some wow. fries. That's the way I run. Um, <laughs> so there's that when I'm down. And then there's also that when like, I, I booked a big job. This is really exciting. I don't need to diet. I'm, you know, or... You know, I get very uh, happy about something and 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 it doesn't even have to be that that big. It could be don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I'm just in a good mood and I wake up and I'm listening to music that's very stimulating and I'm feeling great. And I'm like, why the fuck do I need to diet? I'm I feel great right now, you know. That's how I understand emotional eating or how yeah. it's played a part in my life. So what? that's it. And that's the end of the episode. And scene. Right. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, right. Um, I, I personally can relate to every single thing you said, uh, even down to like, I want to hang out with my bestie tonight. Let's get a drink and go to this place and we're going to get, yeah. 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 Mm. It doesn't have to be like, I won the lottery, by the way, even in my head right now, I'm thinking it through and, and hasn't there been like nearly a billion dollar lottery recently or in the last Uh, year? And then you go like, well, fuck man, if I won that, I would go celebrate with a few pizzas and like, who fucking cares? You know, <laughs> that's right. Cause I won the fucking lottery. Right. So it's still like, as I'm mocking up and thinking up these scenarios, I'm like, there are some scenarios where it's perfectly justified. If you yeah. win a billion dollars in the lottery, you better go eat a pizza. And, and so I'm not immune to it. Um, I think that I beat it for the most part now because mm-hmm. in the in-between of a high and a low, which I think I personally am in more now, I, I cannot, I don't, I can't say what um, someone who exists either only in the high or the low does that make sense to you? Whatever that yeah. mental state is, maybe hard or impossible to to take whatever I'm going to say and go like, oh, I can use something like that. I don't know because I don't only exist in the high and the low. There are long periods where I'm like, I really want to make a change. I'm thinking rationally. What are the steps I need to implement into my life to make that change? It's in that place where you can make the, where I've found that I can make these decisions that can, I can remind myself of in the high or the low. And I can hold on to like, you know, picture a guy um, climbing up the face of a a vertical rock wall and some of the hand, you know, you get some big steps, um, but then sometimes they're just, their fingertips are grasping onto the edge. And that is how I feel sometimes where I'm, I'm upset or I'm elated. And it's like, no, I gotta remember the decision I made in the kind of normal state and cling to that by my fingertips and get Mm -hmm. through this moment of elation or this moment of depression and not fuck up the decision. I not mess up the decisions that I made 
and then come out of it and go, okay, good. I didn't blow my whole plan because I was feeling good or because I was feeling bad. Yeah. So what, so, okay. So what if a person hasn't necessarily, uh, made that decision yet? I mean, I guess the thing is, is you, any change comes, I would imagine from making that decision. Cause there, 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 there are those decisions that come out of like desperation, right. Or, or inspiration, the high or the low, like you can make a decision out of that. Like, that's it. I'm making a change or whatnot, but, um, but don't you find yeah. that that point, that point where you go like, Oh, what I'm doing is, is not going to get me to my goal. That point is almost, coming out of whatever the peak or the the trough is there so you're really high or you're really low and you're Mm -hmm. doing something the moment you go like I don't want to be doing this anymore is almost a rational state so you're coming out of that I've for me and like again I'm really only speaking from my perspective. I'm certainly not a clinical psychologist or anything like that. So I don't even know, like I'm probably butchering the language typically associated with this. It's just how I've perceived it. And I've seen it in others. And it's my interpretation of what I'm seeing in others. But that moment where you're, it's, it's almost like what in, um, in AA uh, is called a moment of clarity. You know, Mm -hmm. that moment of clarity is, is neither manic nor depressive. That's kind of even keeled where you're able to see these two things. And it's at that point where you can see the behavior happening at the extremes as tending away from some goal you have Mm -hmm. that you can make this decision to go like, Oh, I don't want to be doing that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. And, and so what do you do in those, you know, like you're, when a person is really um, cooking along on their plan, right. And they're so in the zone and, and I'll just use you as an example. And this trip we just happened to be on, you know, like tons of food that some may deem unhealthy <laughs> was, was available, you know, at all times, right. We're having a, a, a lots of barbecues and things and whatnot. And you were so, this really was inspiring to me. And I, I talked about it with some of the girls after, but just, you were so sticking to your plan. Yes. Here and there, you were like, I'm going to let myself have a bite of that thing or whatever. But I knew you were just like, cooking along and kind of clocking. Okay. That was those calories over here and there and whatever, like, I guess, so you're, you're in a place that's you're, you're in it, you're in the zone, you have your goals, you're sticking to them, you are on it. And so, but then you have someone who's maybe a little wishy-washy or maybe, um, I don't know, I guess it's just like, what are those, what are the things that someone can do to pause and go, don't want to do this right now. So if you are in a place where you can view the highs and the lows, um, from from a rational because there is a there is another trap here i found and for me the trap is at an extreme on either end making some decision about how i'm going to behave can be 
a decision that is so impossible, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so depressed. I don't want to exist this way anymore. I'm just not going to eat anything until I'm whatever weight I want to be, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, this is not a rational decision, right? Yeah. You're going to hurt yourself doing that. Or I'm so elated. I want to make a positive change. I'm going to do, you know, the fucking Beverly Hills diet and just eat pineapple and I can do it. I have power, right? And you're so excited about life that you're like, this too, for me, has been an irrational decision to make. So you want to catch yourself in a rational state, if you can recognize these things, if you've gotten, if you're, you're at the point where you go like, geez, when I'm really happy, I make these decisions that don't tend to lead me towards a victorious goal. Or when I'm really sad, I tend to make these decisions that don't tend to lead me towards whatever goal I'm having. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Huh. When I'm in this rational state where, you know, it's almost like boredom. I don't want to call it boredom, but, but, and I did strangely read a study that said, um, most creativity is sub boredom. So, and it it was in kind of regard to cell phones and how the constant stimulation of cell phones will keep us out of a creative state. It was really like, let's kill our phones, this kind of a vibe. But it was talking about um, brain activity and like looking at super creative types, they go into a bored state and then like, and then creativity is like almost a meditative state below this bored state. But when they're getting stimulation, it keeps them above your, when you're being entertained all the time. Anyway, that's a stupid aside in this kind of state of like, I don't want to call it. um, I don't know. I don't know the right word for it, but it's like, you're being rational, you know, nothing, nothing is either so exciting or so depressing. And you're like, if you're in that point, you can look at like, um, how you want your life to be laid out specifically with regard to your body and what you want out of it and goals to set. That is the place that I've found is the best place for me to make a plan. And in that plan, I'm trying to be as rational as possible. And in that plan, a lot of what I'm doing is being aware of places that have tripped me up. And I think once you're able to really spot these things, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, I say this, like every time I've sit down to try to write down all the places that I deviate from my plan, I never get all of them. I'm never like at a point where like, and that was the last one. And since I've spotted all of them, they'll never trip me up again. <laughs> New areas are often popping up and it's being able to recognize those as they happen and go, Oh my God, I didn't think of this situation. And now I'm in this situation, but I'm recognizing it as similar to other situations. And how am I going to act now? You know, my boss yelled at me. It made me feel like shit. 
well, you know, it would make me feel better an Oreo cookie. And then you go well, like, this is very similar to when my wife is angry at me. And, you know, uh, a few tablespoons of peanut butter would make me feel better. Or this is very um, similar to, you know, when I was a teenager and um, the girl I liked a lot told me what a good friend I was to her. And this was heartbreaking somehow, you know, something like of that nature. Um, so you look for these things. I write them down because I feel like just keeping track of everything in my head is very difficult. Uh Um, and I can reference them then mentally kind of look, look at them on the page that I've written them down mentally. You know, I'm not Uh actually going back and looking through a notebook and going, aha, I wrote this down in June. The, you know, the time when somebody gave me a dirty look in the supermarket and it made me want to buy, you know, the fried chicken in the deli section. This is not quite what I'm doing, but um, whatever these things are that elicit emotional responses from us and then how our behavior changes i think if you start looking at that in a rational state you can spot these things and then try to build up ways of defeating them and and that's kind of what i do my life was utterly filled with instances where like what happens if you find yourself on an island in a lake Uh, on the 4th of July, and the only food is high fat sausages. It's like, you know, don't let yourself get too hungry. And at the same time, that doesn't mean you get to add mayonnaise and cheese and, and, um, and start drinking beer too, because fuck it, this is a free day, you know? (laughs) Right, right. This is, this is. Yeah, that is such a, that is just, I mean, this is diverting a bit from this topic, but it's that thing of like, I mean, I have experienced that as a, as a pitfall, right? Or a watch out is like, okay, I'm doing X, Y, Z plan. I don't have that here. So right. Do I eat that? And fuck it. A case of the fuckets, you know, like, well, now I might as well, I blew it. So I might as well just do da, 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 da. Whereas like, you don't, you don't have to do that. You can actually just, okay, this may not be the protein I was, I'd eat if I were at home, this may not be, you know, but you don't have to go, well, I'll eat the bun and the thing and whatever you're avoiding, you know, whatever whatever your your plan is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that is uh, i mean a lot of these things arise not necessarily even from uh i mean we are talking about emotional eating but when you're when you're looking at all of this and making plans and looking at how you have um beaten yourself and that could go either way beaten your habits that you're you're trying to avoid or beaten Uh, or avoided the habits you're trying to avoid and succeeded. So you're beating your bad self and, and your good self is winning or your bad self is winning. So you're beating yourself in both instances, I suppose. Um, But that could be emotional. That could be situational. That could be environmental, (laughs) whatever it is that you find yourself most um, failing at, um, yeah, because sure, plenty of times it's just been like, literally, 
I didn't bring enough food for my day of travel and I find myself in the Chicago airport and then it's like, oh, and it's COVID and everything's closed except the place that sells nuts covered in sugar. Somehow they sell (laughs) giant tubs of nuts covered in sugar and it's like, I neither eat nuts nor sugar and I'm really screwed in this situation. What do I do? And it's like, do I just be hungry or do I like figure out 250 calories worth of nuts covered in sugar? Not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Eat that and go like, now I can do another few hours of travel, right? There were plenty of times that I would have had the giant tub of nuts, eaten myself sick. And then arrived in whatever city I arrived in and gone like, well, I don't need to go to the grocery store tonight because I've just eaten 10,000 calories and nuts covered in sugar. Let me get a pizza and some chicken wings and whatever else. Yeah. There's some real, as a side note, there's a real strange pleasure sometimes in hearing what someone else would go do. Like you come up with funny combinations, like you're going to put sweet and sour on your Big Mac. I'm like, huh, never tried that. Or just now you're like, yeah, a pizza and chicken wings. Whereas I'd be like, you know, the pretzel dipped in the cheese and the thing. And I might as well open the M&Ms in the mini bar because why wouldn't I? Can I tell you something successful that I did recently? Please. I went to... I think I was when I was in New York a couple months ago for work. And I remember that someone I used to work for back in the day, it was very health conscious, would do this thing where he would ask for the mini bar to be emptied before he got there. So he wasn't tempted with it and just filled with water. And I was like, oh, you know, okay. Um, so anyway, I remembered that and I did it. I, I wrote a note to the hotel. Hey, I'm coming. I'm going to be there for these amount of weeks. Can you please empty the mini bar? And I had brought all of the stuff that I needed for my, you know, um, plan that I was doing. And it was amazing to not have that sitting there and to not have that temptation. There's enough temptations when you're traveling anyway, or every day of a normal life. Right. So it was kind of amazing. And I was like, I'm going to do this all the time, just not have that stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do that too. When I'm alone, it's actually hilarious that you say that. And when I travel (laughs) with Brandy, I don't do that because she loves to have a couple cocktails and then Mm -hmm. come home and eat peanut M&Ms in a hotel bed. (laughs) And I would never say to her like, Hey, you know, we can just tell them because that would be me assuming that she doesn't really want to be doing that, which seems to bring her so much joy that I would never make that assumption. But yes, I do that too. If I'm traveling alone, the, the, the whole spread of illicit treats is taken out of the room and all the alcohol, not even that I have, um, any, uh, any even tingling of like, I could be tempted by booze. It's just a way to get space for me to store stuff that I want to be eating in that fridge. Yes. Yes. That's so true. And also again, diverting, but I, the, I was just on a work trip and there were, um, you know, on set, you, you do have like pretty big meals sometimes, like you might eat bigger lunch or dinner than you would eat if you were on your own. And I did not, I purposely just didn't bring anything else back to my room other than water. Um, and it was a very short trip. So I wasn't going somewhere to get healthy stuff and to have it. And I came back at the end of the day and I was like, I don't actually need to eat 
again, I'm, I actually am full. I don't need to eat. And I didn't have anything there to go, oh, well, you might as well just eat that, you know? So it's back to preparation and, and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I also have um, had instances where I've given bald faced lies mm-hmm. and uh, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to solve the problem for the other person. Like, oh, they just need to rationalize my behavior. It's my behavior isn't in line with their policies. And I totally understand their policies. However, I'm going to a movie theater. There's nothing for me to eat here. Right. Literally, they serve nothing that is within my plan. So I bring stuff and there have been a few instances. And now listen, I live in Los Angeles where it's like you give the guy a few big words and a kind of seemingly legitimate issue with why you should be breaking their rules. And they're kind of a little bit almost scared into like, well, I don't want to get in trouble for this. So I've said to people like, you know, I'm a diabetic. I can't eat what you have. I'm very hungry. I need this. And I've, and, and I kind of learned from, um, uh, you know, I have a daughter with type one diabetes, so she's got to have, um, well, I I actually first learned this traveling, um, because you have kids with like pumped breast milk or formula or something like this. And there's like all these limits at TSA with how much liquid you can bring in. Oh, now, right. now I doubt it would work if you had a gallon of water and you want, and you were like trying to come up with some reason that you, you dehydrate easily and you should justify bringing in a gallon of water. But with certain things, it's like, no, I have this issue and this is necessary for me to bring it in. And it happened with baby formula with a baby. And I was like, Hmm, I wonder what other other things. First of all, they'll never give you a problem bringing food through TSA. Um, and right. then water is something that is readily sold on the other side of TSA. So I doubt that would even work with water. But like my kid um, has to travel with a, a box of juice. Like that's literally medicine for my kid. And when we go to TSA and we say, well, she has type one diabetes, that's, they've never once said buy juice on the other side, the, the box of juice comes through and, and um, her insulin comes through. I don't know if that's probably way below the, the amount of ounces like that, that probably comes through no matter what. But um, so there's little things like you can, you can handle these people with, you know, and I've even said to people like, I, I'm, I am morbidly obese and I have to have certain foods. You know, this is like checking into a hotel that doesn't want to clear out the mini bar. Or I've said to them, <clears throat> I'm an alcoholic and I cannot have this stuff around me. And then they're like, okay, well, we're going to leave the food. And I'm like, no, I'm also this and this and that, and you need mm-hmm. to take it out. And I, I need that space for stuff that I can eat, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. this again is kind of just like, um, how I, how I figure out sticking to my plan in general, not so much specifically about the highs and the lows of emotional consumption, but the highs and the lows of emotional consumption for me are just other areas that trip me up. 
yeah. just just like situational or environmental or any of these things are just areas that I have deviated from my plan. And so I want to come up with formulas to succeed at beating all of those normal kind of barriers. And do you get a feeling still at all um, or have you really just gotten into a zone, but do you get a feeling of like looking forward to certain foods? Like for example, this trip we all went on, um, I was very much looking forward to a particular pretzel with cheese that I had had there. Let's be be real. Um, Minnesota all the way. But like that was for me, part of it. I was like, Oh, I can't wait to have that. And Um, but like, do you still have that sometimes uh, that you have to keep that in check? Like, is that part of a trip for you or part of an event or part of a dinner is like, Oh, I'm going to have this thing and I'm looking forward to that. Or have you really gotten to a place of evenness about it? Yeah. I try to not get super excited about food in general. I will say, um, most of the food I eat is trifecta right now. Yeah. It's so easy for me. And, and even that I'm not taking the trifecta food and making anything, anything too exciting out of it, but there, there, there are certain things where like they have bison burgers that are really good. And I, and I do find myself looking forward to those meals a little bit more than I look forward to the salmon meals or the chicken meals, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not in a scary way where like, I'm going to be biting into it and just wanting it to be so much better than I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go to Yaki's in the Valley and get a teriyaki burger or something like that. It's a real place and serves a real thing called the teriyaki burger, which is phenomenal by the way. Um, <laughs> You know, I haven't been to Hawaii since uh, long before the pandemic, but they, but there's something called musubi. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce it. And this may be disgusting to people, but it's essentially spam sushi. It's a piece of spam with rice and seaweed. And as a child, my father... And I, my mother and sister didn't eat this kind of thing, but there would be like trips where me and my dad are going camping and we're going to eat spam and Vienna sausages and jalapenos out of a little tin. Everything's in a can. And like, I got a hankering for some spam. And so like every time I go to Hawaii, that's a little nagging thing. And, and like, it's not even served in restaurants. It's served at like gas stations and liquor stores. And, and so that's something I think about when I go there. Um, and I go like, I'm not going to have that because that's real deviation from my plan. By the way, mm-hmm. any plan that's got spam on it is probably, I mean, that's a high sodium, high fat plan, you know? Yes. I don't know if I've ever had that. I'm, yeah. I'm probably missing. I probably missed out, but I don't I, think I've ever I tried had to get Brandy to eat it once and she was really not into it. I think it's fantastic. Some people love it. Yeah. I'm not even saying it's bad. I just never had it. Yeah. Um, okay. I get it. So you're saying you, you just consciously make an effort to not get too excited about making food part of the experience. I just, I personally don't make great decisions 
in any aspect of life when I'm emotional, Mm. you know, and Uh it's, um, it is certainly one thing to spot that and be aware of it and go like, I just want to exist in the realm of logic and reason and reason and rationale and in this analytical state. But that's also like a bit robotic and I think um, detached from being a human being. So while I try to think about stuff as logically as possible, I'm still going to have emotional responses to life that I think is unavoidable. Um, and so it's like, how do I, how do I not, um, make bad decisions while in those states, you know, Mm, mm -hmm. and, and for me, the formula is first observing and obnosing that I have made bad decisions in that state. And so I think once you're aware of it and you can spot it, um, that makes it easier to defeat in the future. And once you can spot like, Oh, I'm a person who has highs and lows isn't always even keeled. And, Oh, I'm making this bad decision. And so what then would be a good decision? How, and then, and then you start thinking about that. And, And all of it is like, all of it is step one is thinking about it. Right. And recognizing it. And then, yeah, and then trying it out and like, okay, I decided every time I wanted to eat, um, you know, Oreo cookies, which is my go-to, I'm going to eat carrot sticks instead. And like, that didn't work. Okay. Well, I'm going to eat, um, uh, Ritz crackers. Maybe Ritz crackers are better than Oreo cookies. I actually don't know if they are, they could be just as bad. I have no idea, but this is an example, (laughs) right? right? You you figure out something that's not quite as harmful to, to trade it with and then try that out. And if that's successful, then you back that up and go like that. I beat it. I did beat it once. You know, I think we are capable of beating these things if we put some effort into it. And and once you find what it is for you that was successful, um, then you try to then you try to instill more of those kind of uh, formulas. Um, I, I again, I don't know what it is like if you are, and I and I have felt totally irrational in some of these states, totally manic or totally depressive. Um, where it's like no rational thought is going to get through. And I think it's the way I have kind of um, figured out being just slightly better than that mania or that depression is by walking myself through it in a rational state and going like this happens and then this happens and this happens and, and this is not ideal. Um, So where is one place in that state that I can kind of foresee this is going to happen and, and put a rational decision in before that state occurs hard to do while you're in that state, right? Impossible for me. But if I'm thinking about it prior to being in the state and I'm setting myself up, you know, it's almost like, um, 
in a rational state, uh, I'm going like, well, if I just didn't have Oreos in the house, but I had this other thing in the house, when that I'm deciding now in my mania, in my elation, I'm not going to eat Oreos. I'm going to eat carrot sticks again, totally probably hyperbolic for most people, but, but it's, um, it's an, an, an example. Yeah. And I'm going to make sure I always have carrots in the house. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. That has been ways that I have been able to, and, and, and again, this is not literal. I, I never really liked Oreos. So this is not a thing for me. It's not been Oreos, but taking this thing that I've decided in a rational state to um, swap out this other bad actor Oreos with, and then, and then when it, when it's happening, I go like, I made this decision a while ago, let me try it. And I have found that that is how I've, I've kind of beat that. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. I love all this. Yeah. And so I, I will say that at first, the first times it's been more difficult, but after practicing that as kind of like a way of living, then going on a trip where it's like, everybody's so excited and they're drinking and they're, they're eating pizza and like, I'm having my, you know, turkey breast on whole wheat with mustard as my dinner. It's like, yeah, but that's okay. You know, I, I, I don't need to celebrate life with food kind of on a night with shitty pizza. You know, this is not, (laughs) we're not, we're in Minnesota. We're not in Naples or wherever they make the best pizza, Florence. I don't know. Some Italian's going to get very angry that I don't know, like the birthplace (laughs) of pizza. I assume (laughs) it is Italy and not New York or Connecticut or Boston. They all have real claims to like, no, we were the first and they're copying us, you know, this whole nonsense, just like you get down here to Mexico and it's like, they've never heard of a burrito. I'm personally not ordering that. But like one of the kids in this movie was like, nobody knows what a burrito is. And I'm like, yeah, moron, that's an American thing. You know, (laughs) Um, that's our bastardization of their food. We just took like a a meal that they would normally eat and said, how do you make this to be handed to you at a drive-through window? You make it into a burrito. Um, And look, I say all that. And some Mexican person could be like, that is bullshit. In, you know, Guadalajara, we came up with the burrito in 1955. And then I look like a real idiot. But (laughs) it's not on any menu down here that I've seen. Right. Um, Plenty of tacos, but I have not seen a single burrito. I think that 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 is an American bastardization of Mexican food, I believe. Yes. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, I've. I celebrated life with food so much that I was over 500 pounds. I don't need to do that anymore. I want to celebrate life by like being able to run, you know, and, um, and you know, not being so self-conscious about my body. That's how I want to celebrate life now. Um, if at this point, um, I'm in 
Naples or wherever the hell they came up with pizza. And somebody goes like, Hey dude, this is the birthplace of pizza. And you're like, that just looks like bread with a piece of cheese on it. And they're like, yeah, but it's the first pizza that ever existed. I'm probably going to have a bite, you know? Um, But there were 10 years or so where I wasn't having a bite because like I wasn't, I didn't have my sea legs under me yet. You know, I got my sea legs under me. If you're a week into a diet and you find yourself in Naples, see what it's like to not eat all that food and find something else to do there. Like go walk up a hill or look at some old shit. They got a lot of old shit in Italy. Go look at that. You know, it doesn't all have to be about the food. Yeah. 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 It doesn't. I like celebrating life too. I like delicious food. I think food is a real art form. I've experienced a lot of beauty from eating didn't really lead me to a place of long-term happiness. And so I've had to switch it up. Uh, What are some other things to do? Look, I'm, excuse me. I'm here as a sober person around, uh, a cast and crew that likes to celebrate life on days off by drinking alcohol and eating food that I don't eat. And it's like, I hope you guys have fun. I'm not an antisocial guy. If you guys want to sit and talk philosophy over coffee, I'm your guy. If you want to, you know, if you want to go work out, Let's do it. I'm happy to do that. I'm not pressuring anybody into it, but like, you know, this whole thing of like drinking and eating, I've done that. Yeah. It's not for me right now, you know? Yeah. And it's not a sad thing at all. I don't feel like I'm missing out. I'm just doing something else. Mm-hmm. There's no better feeling than doing the thing you want to be doing and not feeling like you're missing out on something like you're actually satisfied enough with what you're doing that you don't feel that way. There is nothing better than that. Like you talked about, um, earlier, just like, you know, seeing that food there and going, okay, well, this is not the, you know, I don't need to add this and this and this to it. And I was thinking like, those moments, I always say in the zone, but where you're just cooking along and everything is good and you don't feel like you're missing out or the temptation is going to overwhelm you or whatever. Like there is nothing better than that feeling. Like just yeah. going along. Let's do a minute of food porn. So I'm a big fan of hot dogs, you know, okay. and <clears throat> I like a dirty water papaya dog in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a Pink's. Pink's does a good hot dog. By the way, I, I'm not one of these purist guys. You go to Pink's, you can get coleslaw and bacon on your hot dog, and it's delicious. Or you get sauerkraut and mustard, and it's delicious. Or you uh-huh. get chili, and it's delicious. It's all delicious. Uh-huh. I love Chicago hot dogs. I want fluorescent, fluorescent green uh, uh, relish. I want pickle spears. I want fucking giant chunks of tomato, right? Yep. I want all of it. I want all of it. I grew up in Los Angeles in East LA. The Mexicans serve bacon wrapped hot dogs with grilled jalapenos and onions, and they heavily mayonnaise their buns. This is a fat on a fat on a fat with a little bit of acid. And it is magical, right? 
a normal human being is going, you've put mayonnaise on a hot dog. Like this is a horrifically <laughs> disgusting thing to do. It's the fattiest meat you could eat. And now you're adding literally pure fat to it. And I say, yes, bring it on. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't show me a hot dog in any state that is going to make you ascend to heaven by eating it. Right. I've eaten them. They're delicious. They're delicious. I've done it. Right. I don't need to do that anymore. It's, Uh it's just not that said, uh, when uh, me and my family go on a trip to Mexico and you know, my wife is having the chef make us grilled fish for three meals a day. It's like, what are we eating? We're eating ceviche and grilled fish. And I'm like, that's really great. And then I go over and tell the dude, make us hot dogs one day, you know, Mm -hmm. it's okay. It's Christmas time. Let's, let's, let's have that. And, and it's like, it's not the end of the world, but this is not being done out of uh, mania or depression. Um, And it's been okay, but I'm not going to fall into some trap where it's like, everybody's doing X. I should do X too. I don't need to do that. You know? Yeah. You have something that's working. You don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. You guys look like you were having a great time. I had a great time. Nobody had a better time than me over the 4th of July. I got to drive a boat. I got to watch my wife and kids dance and and have fun. I got to watch my friends enjoy life and family enjoy life. Like I had a great time. I didn't miss um, experiencing alcohol for myself. I didn't miss experiencing shitty Minnesota pizza. Sorry, Minnesota. Maybe your pizza's great. I'm not going to Minnesota and thinking like, God, I got to try their pizza. You know, it's just not, uh, not how I'm living my life. Um, if, if, if your if your Minnesota pizza is the greatest pizza of all time, I still don't feel like I missed anything. I've had pizza. I've had good pizza. I've had bad pizza, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I love it. For me, my physical goals are just more important to that. I'm getting more joy out of life right now. Being successful at something I, I set out to achieve in a state of rational thinking. And it's like, Every, every day that I'm successful, I get stronger, I get um, wiser, I get more secured in this position. And, and uh, I just generally think that I've found happiness through um, any time I set a goal and I achieve it, it makes me feel good, right? And that's the feeling I associate with happiness. And it's like, well, shit. I mean, I just need to set goals for myself all the time. You know, it's almost like I could get a little boost of happiness just brushing my teeth every morning because I go like, that's a goal, right? I'm successful. Um, uh, What other goals can I set? And actually set them as goals. This is something I want to do day in, day out for myself. I want to walk every day and get a certain amount of steps. Okay, that's a goal. See if you feel better on days that you achieve that than days that you don't, you know? Right. Right. 
that's how I understand emotional eating. Yeah, I love it. I really, I, I like to summarize these with what I got out of it. <laughs> yeah, please do tell us. I just really got out of it that that part of making decisions for me, I can, I could identify making a decision out of that even state, not the you can make a choice. Okay. I'm ready for a change. Oh, I want it, but whatever in the high or the low, but I really got, I, I can say that is true that making the plan, making the real decision that leads to a plan that leads to success. I can see what you're saying about that coming out of that, you know, non-high, non-low kind of place. Yes, yeah, certainly. I, th- there is, you know, the idea of rock bottom. That's obviously um, not a manic thing. Rock bottom is rock bottom, right? And sometimes right. it takes people getting to rock bottom before they're even able to make this decision. I don't know that at rock bottom, I've ever been able to figure out a plan for myself. I haven't. For me at rock bottom is I'm now turning my life over to somebody else because I am not being successful at anything I do. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do at rock bottom, but I have been able to make the decision at rock bottom to go like, until I'm in a better place, I'm just listening to that person or to that group what are they going to tell me to do to get yeah. me out of this state? That's how I've understood rock bottom and how, how it's kind of, it's been, it's been great. Um, this is another reason why I am kind of loath to, uh, and I've been asked a number of times, talk to my kid about drugs and alcohol or help my friend with weight loss. And it's like, I can't determine that that person's, even interested in that conversation. I don't want to have that conversation with somebody who's not interested in it. You know, I'm happy to talk to anyone um, when they're going like, Hey man, I really need help. I'm happy to talk to people in that position. Oh, okay. Well, here's what I did. And that's pretty much as far as I'm willing to go with help. I'm never going to say like, you must do X, Y, and Z. I'm not interested in that. Um, Here's what's been successful for me is, is really, and that, and that's how I've been helped. You know, I've, I've, I've been at rock bottom and I've looked around and gone, somebody help me. And I've had people to help me. And, and basically it was always just here are aspects of my life that I think could be useful for you. And then I go like, okay, I'm just going to do that. And that's, that's been successful. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Awesome. Um, Thank you, Paige. Well, thank you, Ethan, for this convo. Hey, do we have a Q&A? Should we do one? I mean, you want to just do a live one here? Yeah, why not? All right. I need, I mean, I need a second. I need Okay, a, you can uh, have a second. Let me give them the preamble. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Thank uh, you for listening to this show. This has been a co-production of P. Donigu Productions <laughs> and American Glutton Productions, co-produced by Action Park Media. If and now, what do I say? And well, now for the Q and A. And now for the Q and A. Now but for I just, us waiting for Paige to find <laughs> the Q and A. I wasn't ready for this, so That's I mean, I'm just fine. gonna I'm gonna dig in here. I think you just pull one out of your out of your hat 
I was going to say something else that might have been inappropriate. (laughs) Just pull the first question you find. Um, And what if you were like, no, people have stopped asking questions. They don't (laughs) care to hear your, your take on it anymore. I mean, no, yeah, no one has that. No, I do. I have them. Hold on, hold on. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Okay. Okay, here we go. All right. All right. So this is a question from Jamie. Hi, Jamie. And he says, hi, Ethan. Hi, Paige. I hi, mean, guys. I really do love when someone says hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, okay. they should they should really be buttering you up because no. I don't see these at all. <laughs> no, please don't anyone think that. Um, okay. He says, first of all, I'd like to thank you guys for the knowledge and inspiration uh, for all of us working a program. Thank June, you, Jamie, for the acknowledgement. Yeah. Uh, June is my one year anniversary and you're a large part of why I'm where I am today. That's awesome. It's pretty great. In the last year, I've mostly focused on starting and maintaining a workout routine that I'm happy with. I've lost 50 pounds and around 30 inches in three core measurements. In year two, I really want to focus on nutrition more. So I've decided to try meal prepping. Do you have any tips or tricks to help keep things interesting? Spices, sauces, any tips would be great. And thanks for the podcasts. They help more than you might know. So meal prep, my ideas, the places that I've, I personally can eat the same thing over and over again. And then I do eventually get sick of it and want to change it up. But like, I can go half a week, no problem, eating the same general meals. I find um, I find kind of the the spices to be thematically uh, shifting, and so I'll go like I'll get really into Asian spices for a while, and then that's you know there's there's ponzu and soy and wasabi and um and then there's all kinds of weird and somewhat esoteric asian spices like i think one's called nori and i could be totally bastardizing this i i go to the asian market and i look at spices there and their chinese mustard is super spicy and delicious and um you can get into their they go like real extreme spice sometimes. You don't have to do that if you don't want to um, start to add a little ginger to stuff. And, and uh, you know, maybe if you're, if you're doing something like blandly boiling chicken breasts, use uh, kefir lime leaves and, and, um, and uh, uh, lemongrass. Um, and then you can go the Mexican route. There's all kinds of different chilies that, that Mexicans use, um, ancho chilies, Anaheim chilies. I can't even, I don't even know them, but like in, in, uh, the supermarket I go to, there'll be like a whole section of just dried Mexican chilies and, and you get those and you steep them in some water and you can make sauces and, um, and then there's Italian spices, and I associate that with like uh, oregano and basil and garlic and parsley. And so for me, I just tend to shift in in these kind of themes. Um, and then sometimes I, I I go like I want I want uh, this to be as unexciting as possible. I don't want to stimulate myself at all, and I go like just salt and pepper, you know. 
And, and that's kind of how I keep, keep it from getting too monotonous. Um, you know, I, I will say I've, I think it's G Hughes. Is it G Hughes or D Hughes has, has this like kind of uh sugar-free barbecue sauces and he's got all kinds of sauces. He's got ketchups and honey mustards and barbecue sauces and steak sauces and all of this stuff. Um, and that's been really helpful. And so, um, you know, the, the, my kid, I have a kid, Lily, who, um, is super into amino sprays. That's not really my cup of tea so much, but she loves it. And, um, you could try that. I don't even know really where she buys that shit. It just tastes like kind of like, it tastes like you're eating sweat. Oh, I, <laughs> to me, it I tastes like sweat or tears. That's what I think of. Like when she's added it to something like you got to taste this and she, she, it comes in a spray bottle and she squirts it. And I'm like, you are just eating sweat. That's she loves amazing. it. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And there's hmm. like a coconut flavored amino acid, which yeah. tastes like coconut sweat, like the person <laughs> had on sunscreen and then they sweat and then they put it on their food. I'm not into that, but maybe you are. And I'm not judging you. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. So that's how I try to keep and and um, meal prep. Um, I I get it all done on Sunday. I um, I don't ever meal prep when I'm hungry because <laughs> suddenly uh, the the numbers are a little bit off. You know, I start to cram the rice into the cup measuring spoon whereas if i'm full it's a very loosely packed cup of rice so i don't do that i also don't go to the grocery store when i'm hungry because suddenly some things end up in my in my shopping cart that i that i then you know 24 hours later was like and i ate this why did i eat this why did i buy this oh i was starving at the supermarket you know mm -hmm. And instead of buying fat-free cheese, I just bought light cheese or whatever. You know, these are ridiculous um, examples. Um, that's what I do. I hope that's helpful for you. If you have a question you would like me to answer on this show, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.